Hey, everybody. We'll hope you'll join us for this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's episode, guys, we're going to tell you where we've been on the water lately. We kind of changed things up compared to the last couple of episodes that we told you guys about where we had been going. So we'll fill you in on where we went, what we caught, and what we caught them on as usual. And then we're also going to break down and talk about tackle, the whole tackle industry. Where do you guys buy your tackle? Is it online? Is it in a traditional tackle shop? Or maybe you custom make your own lures. We're going to break all that down on what our favorite way to buy tackle is, as well as the evolution of the tackle industry and what it is in 2021. So we'll talk about all that and a lot more on this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and I would just like to say thank you to all of you tuning in to the show this week. As always, we appreciate you guys hopping on with us. I know it's been about a week and a half since we did our last show and we all got together to talk about the outdoors here in Louisiana. But I hope everybody's doing great. Hope everybody had a great Easter with your families. We absolutely had some beautiful weather here in Louisiana over the Easter break. Um, I know the kiddos are, are probably getting to that point where they're getting depressed now because most of them are getting ready to head back to school on Monday. If they're anything like my boys are, they have been cutting it up and having a good time uh, this week for spring break. So uh, maybe some of you got to take the family out and go on a trip, um, you know, so hopefully everybody had a good time and just got to kind of get outdoors, spend some time with your family, do some relaxing and kind of get away from this crazy everyday life that we call call a pandemic here in the United States that we've been going through for the last year or two. Um, my case, guys, I've been working quite a bit, which is why we were, um, you know, a little bit behind on getting a podcast episode out to you guys last week. So I do apologize for that. But uh, work calls right now, we are working uh, pretty much six days a week right now. We've been extremely busy at work trying to get inventory in order to get you guys out on the water and do some fishing. And, you know, this week's show, we're going to continue the trend that we've been on the last several episodes. We're talking fishing, guys. And, you know, for us, I mentioned in the opening segment that we were going to, you know, kind of stray away and mentioned that we've been doing something a little bit different fishing-wise than um, you guys had been accustomed to us talking about over the last several shows. And what I mean by that is, you know, we actually, over the last several weeks, we've been on the water, but we've just been doing something a little bit different. We actually left the boat at home. Um, and kind of went back to the basics. And what I mean by going back to the basics is kind of kind of did some fishing like we did when we all started out as children. Most of you out there can relate to this. Um, you know, most of us started out on small bodies of water, whether it was a pond or a small lake, maybe in a, in a neighborhood community, whatever it may have been. That seems to be where most of us as outdoorsmen and children kind of cut our teeth on. We learned the basics of, uh, you know, fishing. And specifically, when I talk about fishing, I'm talking about bass fishing in this instance. Um, you know, I could remember when I really got into, into bass fishing as a child. Um, I could tell you the, the trip that actually set me off as far as my passion for bass fishing. And it, what's ironic about what happened for me and my experience with it was that that trip was actually during a hunting trip for opening weekend of uh, squirrel season. You know, if you guys listen to the show, a lot of y'all know very well that growing up in Evangeline Parish, where I grew up at in the town of Villeplatte, Louisiana, um, you know, tr squirrel hunting is a, is a huge tradition for us growing up. Um, our fathers, our grandfathers kind of passed that down and we continue to pass it down to our children as we have children. Um, and it was no different for me and my family. You guys have heard me talk about that before. Um, but you know, this particular trip that we had went on, I was probably, I guess about seven, eight years old. I was young. I was really young. And, um, uh, you know, I had, I had stumbled upon this, um, push button, spin cast, rod and reel that my dad had up in, in our born. We, we grew up in the country. We had a born that we raised animals and we had a storage, you know, room in that born. And I remember 
at seven or eight years old, kind of going into there, we, we'd always, you know, hunt blackbirds and we'd do all kinds of different things. So I was constantly growing up playing in the barn. And I remember going into the, uh, the storage shed in the barn and coming across this old green and white push button that, you know, was real on an old fiberglass style rod, the old traditional, what most of us use now is cranking rods. Um, but back then it was fiberglass, most of the rods. You didn't have the technology that you got now with graphite. Um, they weren't light. They were they were some old whooping sticks pretty much or like the old ugly sticks that you guys are familiar with, which is really not the best setup for bass fishing, you know. But at that time, the technology was just not evolved to the, to, to the where it is nowadays. And it was a completely different time. It really was. But I remember being so happy that I had stumbled upon that rod and reel. That was kind of my own rod and reel that I could take and use. Um, and I, I went to my dad and I asked him, I said, Dad, I found this in the barn. Um, would you mind me taking, you know, this rod and reel and using it? And he said, yeah, no problem. He didn't even know it was in there. Um, you know, so I remember checking, this, taking the cap off and checking, and they had this old, uh, this old brittle line that was on it, you know, no telling how old this rod and reel was. Um, he couldn't even remember where he had got it from, but he said that he thought they maybe used it in the river, in the Chafalaya River, to do some snagging. They'd go down to, um, you know, Old River and areas like that, uh, Simsport, Louisiana, do some snagging. He thought that's where he had got it and used it, uh, you know, for the little bit that he could remember about it. But uh, but I took that I took that rod and reel proudly. Um, you know, I didn't even have string at the time to string up on it. And I went out and I strung up, you know, I went to Walmart, bought a couple of lures and uh, and I strung up a, a basically just an old six inch curl tail worm with a with a weight, lead weight on it. And, um, you know, we had this opening weekend of hunting season that I was talking about. And I remember asking my dad, I knew that, you know, from previous years I had went with him that they had a, a, a pond at the campground that we were staying at. And I told him, I said, hey, I, I want, I'd like to bring my rod and reel that way after we hunt, we come back to the camp. You know, the kids, we'd always go off. My cousins were with us. We'd go off. We'd go, you know, what we called adventures at the time. And we'd just ride four-wheelers, but I wanted to do a little bit of fishing. So I took my rod and reel with me. He agreed to let me take it with me. Um, thank God he did because that's the, that's the trip, like I mentioned, that, that got me absolutely hooked on fishing, uh, especially bass fishing. Um, you know, and I brought it with me. We went out, you know, and I, I went, remember taking a, you know, one or two packs of soft plastics. I think at the time, if I'm not mistaken, it was some Renegade. Renegade was the brand of worms. It was an old purple and fire tail. I can remember that, you know, very well. And I had a fire and ice <clears throat> pack of culprit worms that I had with me. Not a whole lot. I just didn't have a whole lot of tackle at the time uh, for bass fishing. So I, I remember bringing those with me. And, uh, you know, I walked down to this pond in the campground that, that we were staying at and it had a little beach area with a, with a pier that came down. And I remember that year the water was really low in that pond. Um, I guess it was a drought or maybe they had drained it, you know, to kind of do a drawdown on it. And uh, I walked down to the, to the beach. I went down there and I, I started not knowing what I was doing, just kind of trying to rig up my worm. My dad had showed me a couple of basics. I went down. Started making a couple of casts, and about my third or fourth cast, I remember this well, um, I felt a tug, you know, on the line, and my line started moving. So, you know, not being a bass fisherman, but having, you know, having brim fish before and stuff like that, I knew I had a bite. I went ahead, and I kind of did a, a half-ass hook set on it, you know, uh, and and I hooked onto a fish, and I remember reeling in that old Zebco just kind of making some grinding noises and screeching. Uh, but I got that fish to the bank and sure enough, it was, it was one of my first bass I had ever caught on a soft plastic. So I was pumped up, fired up, you know, I actually took that fish. I ran up the hill, went back to the campground. I showed my dad, I was so proud of that, that one fish. And he's like, man, that's great. You know, he kind of gave me some support. He said, make sure you put it back, but you know, so you don't end up killing the fish. And I ran back down. I, I let it go back in the lake. And I, I rigged up that worm, that six-inch renegade worm again, and I went ahead and I threw back out there. And over the next hour, guys, I ended up catching, I think I had 15 bass that I caught, if I remember, or somewhere around there, you know. It was over 10, I can tell you that. And uh, in my old tackle box, I had a stringer from when I brim fished, those old-school stringers that all of us started out with. 
that little cheap 99 cent one, you know, at the time it was even cheaper than that at the, at the uh, you know, the quick stop. And, um, you know, I went ahead and each one I'd catch, I'd put it on that stringer because I was determined I was going to tell, I was going to, you know, bring these fish up to the campground and show everybody that I had caught all these bass. And one after another, I'd hook a bass, I'd put it on that stringer and I just kept going until I, they stopped biting or I got tired, I guess. I don't quite remember, but I knew at that point I was hooked on bass fishing. Um, you know, it was at the point where it was just, you know, it, I was ate up with it. Like a lot of you are when you start out and you have a, your first successful trip, you you never really forget that. You know, I could tell you guys the story like I'm doing now, just like it happened yesterday. And, um, you know, I'll never forget that. I've actually, I don't know if I've actually ever shared that story with my two boys, with Jackson or Hudson, but I'm sure they're going to hear about it uh, either on this podcast or I'll end up telling them in person. But um, but I remember that experience very, very well. And that's a special experience that really put that that bug in me to, to have a passion for bass fishing. Um, not only, you know, fishing, but but specifically bass fishing that that particular trip. And I'm sure you guys probably have an experience somewhat very similar to that, you know. But, you know, the point of that story is, A, yes, that's that's the passion that that was instilled in me at an early age to uh, to get into fishing, to get into bass fishing. Um, but, you know, we all start out kind of small where we have to learn that way. We cut our teeth in different ways, different areas. It could be a pond, a, little, a small pond. You might have a pond at home. But, um, you know, back then, just looking back, we didn't have the technology that we got now, guys. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, you know, Jackson, my oldest son, for those of you who don't know him, Jackson's 12 years old. He's uh, he's done quite a bit of shows with us, YouTube videos with us. Um, and he last year was blessed enough to where we were able to get him a little John boat here at the house. We live in a community neighborhood. Um, we have a, a community pond here in our neighborhood in Gonzales, Louisiana. Um, and our neighborhood has two ponds that are separated on both ends of the neighborhood. So a lot of the people who live in our neighborhood have piers, they have little docks, you know, they'll go out, they'll do a little bit of fishing in their backyards. Um, but it's, it's become hard to where you used to be able to walk around the pond, do a lot of bank fishing, but a lot of people have added on to their property all the way up to the water and makes it a little bit more difficult for the kids to go out there and do some fishing and walk around the pond. So last year, Jackson was lucky enough. We, we stumbled upon a 15-foot John boat. It was an old boat, didn't have any kind of paperwork on it, um, just something that wasn't roadworthy or, or legal to take out in public waters, but you could put it in a pond here. Um, in Louisiana, you have to have proper paperwork in order to take it out and, and fish publicly unless it's in a private pond or a community. So, um, you know, no paperwork on this boat. We were able to pick this little John boat up for free last year. And then we started doing some uh, upgrades on it. We went ahead. He worked hard uh, cutting grass last summer and he went ahead. He bought a trolling motor for it. And uh, that's his main motor that he has on the boat. Um, he went ahead and started adding some tackle storage to it, you know, a couple of fishing seats and really got this thing uh, set up very nice for the pond here. And literally, if you walk out of our house, we don't live on the water, but we're right across the street. So it's about a minute walk from our front door. He could go out anytime he wants. Him and his brother could get in that John boat and go around and do some fishing in the pond. So I told him, I said, you know what? I said, uh, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this specific pond in our neighborhood because I've never had a whole lot of luck in it. I've heard stories that, you know, when the neighborhood was building and the ponds were stocked, that a lot of people caught some big, big fish in this pond, specifically bass. Um, you know, we catch some big sackle in the wintertime, but it's a finicky lake. It's really, really hard to pinpoint these fish a lot of times. And it can be difficult for me to cons consistently catch fish in it. So um, he's caught more fish probably than I've caught in it. But I, I have I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it personally. But I told him, I said, you know what? We have the spawn going on right now, the temperature. We had some cold fronts come through. Um, you know, we had a couple of different full moons that, you know, just occurred over the last two months uh, for the spawn. And I told him, I said, hey, you know what? Why don't we do some kind of go back to the basics, do some pond fishing instead of taking the boat and trying to go somewhere, you know? Uh, we'll do some John boat fishing. So that's what we did. 
we uh we went out we started doing some john boat fishing over the last two weeks since we talked to you guys and uh really just have enjoyed it it's it's relaxing it's something it kind of brought back those memories for me as far as going back to my childhood and that story that i told you guys about because i told jackson i said you know what i said at your age at 12 years old uh, me and my best friend, uh, Troy Fontenot, that grew up fishing and, and, and being in the outdoors together, um, we would have absolutely loved to have had a, a John boat like he has at his age. We were, you know, pounding banks. We were, we were, we were, you know, anybody that we knew that had a, a private pond that we personally knew, we were trying to ask him for permission to go fishing. In some instances, uh, I have to be honest, we actually snuck on to some of those ponds and did some fishing, um, you know. Um, so it wasn't always legal, but we knew these people. And, and you know, we knew that, you know, we, we either went to school with their children and, and they knew us and our families. So we knew ultimately if, if they called us, they wasn't gonna, you know, we wasn't gonna be in too much trouble. But we just, were, we wanted to fish that bad. You know, we wanted to go out there and just do that. And instead of getting in trouble and, and you know, getting ourselves, uh, you know, in trouble with our parents, we wanted to go fishing and we wanted to go hunting which is, you know, nowadays, if my sons do that, I feel very blessed for them to get out and enjoy the outdoors as much as, uh, even if it's half as much as what I, I loved as a kid. But, uh, but yeah, I told Jackson, I said, you know, you, you don't even know how blessed and lucky you are. But I think, you know, Jackson, Jackson, I have to say, is a hard worker. He, um, he started a little lawn business last year because he wanted some of the nicer things. Um, and, you know, even though we have the means as parents, my wife Amy and I, to provide and give to them like most of you have for your kids. We, you know, especially in today's generation, we want them to kind of have that feeling of what it's like to earn something that they want, you know? Um, so he went out, we told him, he said, Hey, you know, you want these things, the, the, the nice Apple, you know, phones and the, the, whatever they call it now, the, uh, the ear pods and all that type of stuff. You know, you need to go out, get a little small job and start cutting grass and earn it. And he did, he started a lawn service. Um, he went out, he started knocking on doors in the neighborhood and cutting some yards and he was, uh, he was earning his own money. So he was able to kind of upgrade, um, his boat and also get some of those other things that he wanted to purchase. So as a parent, that's really all you could ask for. Those of you who are parents listening to the show this week, you know, where I'm coming from on that. Um, you know, that, that says a lot about a kid that wants to go out there do a little bit of work and, uh, and earn some of that stuff that he's asking for. He don't just expect to have it given to him. So, you know, when I say that he don't know how good he has at having a little John boat and a setup like he has, I really do think he does. I don't think he takes it for granted. Uh, but, man, what what we would have done as kids to be able to have that and have have a just a lake or a little pond, like, you know, right in our backyard. We didn't have that opportunity growing up, you know, so we had to kind of go where we could and, and fish where we could. And that's what we did. But we those memories are the memories – that when I get together with Troy, my, my good friend I mentioned, you know, growing up, um, that we fished and hunted together, that's what we talk about. When we get together, um, you know, we we remember all those those special moments that we got to do and, uh, you know, together and that we got to go fishing together and hunting together. And, and we wouldn't trade those for the world, um, you know, looking back at it today as grown up. So it's pretty special. But um, you know, going back, like I said, fishing, you know, John boat fishing, like we did over the last couple of weeks, we really enjoyed it. Um, we, we, we actually had some success. I have to be honest with you on that. Um, and you know, if you guys would go, if you follow us on our social media pages, whether it's our YouTube channel at last stop waterfowl outdoors or our Facebook page or Instagram page, um, we did get some new camera equipment. I recently upgraded to a brand new GoPro Hero 8 this year, so I'm learning how to use it. Uh, so bear with me on that, guys. If you or if you're following the YouTube channel and I'm not doing it right, hell, let me know I'm not doing it right. But I'm learning as I go, so just bear with me. But I uh, really wanted to get some good footage, some good clear footage, um, you know. And I'm trying to get some of those fish catches on camera. Um, so I'm doing the best I can with what I'm learning right now, guys. Once again. 41 years old. I'm, I'm learning technology. I'm pretty good with technology, but I'm still learning some of the ins and outs of some of the technology, such as the GoPros, stuff like that right now. You know, before I got my GoPro, I was always doing my filming with my cell phone, which I always had a, I had a good cell phone 
Um, and when I'd go to make a purchase on my cell phones, I'd make sure I had a good quality cell phone so I could get, uh, you know, good video footage. I could get good sound quality as the best that you could get out of a, out of a cell phone. Um, and I was doing all our filming for our duck hunts that I bring to you guys. Um, any of our fishing trips were, were filmed on that, um, which, you know, most of the time we're filming duck hunts and, you know, duck videos, whether it's from the camp or whatever it may be during hunting season. But we were filming that stuff with uh, with our phones. So I said, you know what? Um, it's time to upgrade. Went ahead and got a GoPro. Um, went, did my research. Uh, I got the guy to tell me, you know, what was the best out there at the time. And I went ahead and made a purchase. And I have to say I'm very pleased with it. Um, so hopefully we'll be bringing more footage to you guys uh, with, with the GoPro that we got, especially next hunting season. I'm looking forward to that, to getting you guys some footage uh, from the duck blind next year on public land. Because if you follow our page, you know that we are predominantly a waterfowl hunting page. That's how we started the last stop waterfowl page. Um, and that's what we like to do during hunting season. And the fishing and everything else outdoors just kind of goes along with it, living here in Sportsman's Paradise. Um, we do a little bit of everything. But I'm really looking forward to getting that camera out during, uh, you know, next duck season and bringing you guys some footage. And uh, and I'm very impressed with the quality. So if anybody's out there looking for a camera right now, I have to recommend if, you, if you're in the market maybe for an action camera, uh, I can tell you guys that the GoPro Hero 8 is solid. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a solid buy. Um, I know they're not cheap. You know, it's definitely it's a piece of equipment that's expensive, but uh, you will not be disappointed with it. And I am in no way affiliated with GoPro, by the way, guys. I'm just telling you the truth. As always, try to try to bring the truth to you on whatever equipment that we use uh, to help you guys out. So been very impressed with it. But go check out our social media page, whether it's our Facebook, Instagram or our YouTube channel. Uh, those those Jumbo trips that I was telling you guys about and I'm talking about. Um, we got some footage on there. Jackson actually got a big, a big bass that he caught here in the pond on, on a Cinco, um, you know, and I, about a week later, or maybe not quite a week later, I hooked into one over the last couple of days that you guys are going to want to see. We were able to catch it on film um, as well from the bite all the way till, till we got it to the boat. And that fish was a stud. It was a big female that's uh, probably – was in the middle of spawning, you know, doing some, uh, looks like she had maybe dropped some eggs, but still had a little bit in her, wasn't completely finished. And uh, absolute beautiful fish. We got it on camera. You guys could see it. Um, and tell us what you think, you know. Um, I, caught, I caught her on a buzz bait, an old traditional buzz bait, which is, you know, so fun. And, and it's funny, kind of a funny story as far as that buzz bait and that fish. You know, Jackson had told me, I told, I had mentioned to Jackson, I said, you, we throw a lot of plastics in that lake, in the pond here that we've been fishing. And uh, and I told him, I said, you know, we never really fish a whole lot of top water. I love throwing a frog, you know, for bass fishing traditionally. But, uh, but you know, I've thrown frogs. I've thrown a couple of little things for top water. But I, I never really tried throwing a buzz bait or anything like that. So I told him, I said, you know, I said, I might try a buzz bait, you know, and just see if we can maybe – piss something off enough to kind of, you know, strike and get a good bite on it. It might be a good fish, you know? And he said, dad, he said, well, I've tried a buzz bait. He fishes it. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot more than me. And he said, dad, I've tried a buzz bait. Buzz baits don't catch fish. And I started laughing when he told me that. And I said, Oh son, buzz baits don't catch fish. Huh? And he said, yeah. He said, I've never caught a bass on a buzz bait. Well, granted guys, you got to understand 12 years old, you know, remember at 12 years old, your array and your variety of baits that you fish, probably wasn't real, you know, wide variety. So, you know, he's fished certain baits, but he, he's tried a buzz bait, really probably didn't know how to fish it a whole lot and uh, didn't have no success on it. So I, I thought to myself, I said, okay, I said, I'm going to show him. I'm going to see if I can't get a bite on one. So I go back to the house, you know, and, and we were planning on going that afternoon before the sunset. I, I went ahead, I went in my tackle storage shed and I, I, I kind of looked at my selection of buzz baits and I grabbed one of my buzz baits that I had um, and I put it on and, uh, he saw me when I came out, he said, he said, what you got on tied on? I said, I got a buzz bait tied on. He kind of laughed. He said, you ain't going to catch nothing on it. I said, okay. I said, well, we'll see about that. Well, you know, we're going to go fishing and we'll see about that. So, you know, we get out there on the, on the pond right here and, uh, we launched the John boat. We go across to this little section we want to hit. And, uh, about, I don't know, maybe five minutes in, 
It was probably my fifth, sixth cast, maybe. I mean, I, I threw right on the side of this dock that was in the water, and I'm talking, boom, this this big female hits this buzz bait, and I set the hook, and you could hear that braid just screaming through my bait casting reel. And he's like, what you got? What you got? I said, oh, hold on. Get the net. I got a big fish. And if you guys go check out the video that we shot of it, you'll you'll see the conversation we have it. And boy, when I got that fish to the boat, he was like, you son of a, you know what, you know? He's like, that's my fish. I should have been my fish. And I said, yeah, I thought them buzzbaits don't catch fish. And uh, he's like, shut up. You know, he said, we, we going at it, just picking at each other. But it was a pretty cool moment. So I guess what he's throwing uh, throwing on his rods and reels, he's been fishing this week while I'm at work. You guys can just about imagine, huh? So that's how it is. You, sometimes you got to teach them young boys. You know, as, as we get older, we teach them the next generation. And sometimes you, they got to learn the hard way. And in that situation, that was a situation where he learned the hard way. So, but a uh, pretty cool experience. Like I said, it's so, so cool. You know, I enjoyed that, what we've been doing over the last two weeks, fishing, you know, out of the John boat, out of his little John boat setup. I've enjoyed that as much as fishing out of my range of bass boat or any other big boat that I've ever took a trip on. I have to be honest with you. There's just something about going back to the beginnings and fishing out of an old John boat. Uh, you know, no outboard motor to worry about, uh, just an electric little 30 pound, 30 pound thrust trolling motor and, uh, and just going and just enjoying fishing for what it is, not having to worry about tournaments, uh, you know, competing, none of that type of stuff. You know, it's just a different, a different enjoyment that you get out of it. And we've been getting that enjoyment for the last couple of weeks. So I really wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, you know, I hope you guys can relate to it. I'm sure many of you can. Um, sometimes we just need that, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, we just got to get out there and kind of go back to the basics. That's, that's kind of what I told him. I said, well, sometimes we just need to go back to the beginning, how we, how, you know, kind of slow things down, which, you know, I think this pandemic that we've been in has, has definitely slowed, you know, most people down. Uh, most of you would agree on that. I'm sure. Um, you know, it's definitely slowed families down, slowed individuals work down, whatever it may be. It slowed us down. It's forced us to kind of, you know, go back to, to the basic stuff that made us happy. You know, you don't need all the necessarily the technology and, you know, the hula of everything that goes on in your daily life to have a good time and enjoy your family. So, um, but yeah, that's been the case for us guys. I hope you guys enjoyed those couple of stories I shared with you uh, because I sure love talking about it. And I know, uh, you know, Jackson's enjoyed it. And even Hudson, my youngest one, we got him with us. Um, he was able to get see us catch a couple of fish in the pond the other day uh, in the John, old John boat, and he was even fired up about it. So, you know, he's the next generation coming up, so hopefully we're going to get him more into it as he gets a little bit older um, because it's only going to be, you know, memories for us to share together for, for many, many years, and hopefully they'll tell their kids the stories one day. So, but guys, that, that's really what I wanted to talk about in the opening segment this week. I really want to get into some tackle, you know, as far as, kind of where you buy your tackle as far as what tackle, kind of where the tackle industry is now as a whole. Um, you know, where where do you guys like to shop? We're going to talk about all that and some more in the next segment as we continue this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We'll talk to y'all and hope you stay with us for the next segment. All right, everybody, welcome back from the break. This is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Want to thank you all again for tuning in to this week's episode. You know, we were talking before the break about kind of just going back to the basics of, you know, and what I mean by that is where we all started out as fishermen, kind of gaining that passion and that fire for the, the sport. And I uh, told you guys some stories about what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And I hope you all enjoyed it, you know. But as we're talking fishing, I really would, you know, I, I have to mention that we work with some phenomenal companies that help support us here on the show. Many of you who listen to the show on a regular basis here is talk about them. And two of those specific companies, um, you know, talking bass fishing, the, both of the companies that we work with, both Cajun Tackle House out of Morgan City, Louisiana, and Benoit Performance Baits out of, uh, you know, Thibodeau, Louisiana, um, are some great companies based here in our home state of Louisiana. Um, you know, the Cajun Tackle House, I'll kind of get into that maybe a little bit later in a different story uh, to tell you how we got partnered with, with Chris over at Cajun Tackle House. 
But if you guys are looking for, you know, any kind of bass fishing tackle from your hard baits, like your spinner baits, your chatter style, chatter bait style baits, jigs, um, you know, custom rods. Chris does it all over at Cajun Tackle House. He has really expanded the Cajun Tackle House brand. Um, he has a lot of loyal customers, not only from here in the state of Louisiana, but all across the United States. I know he does a lot of shipping out. And then you go, you know, Blake Benoit, my good buddy Blake, me and Blake talk quite often. Um, you know, anything soft plastic related. I'm in love right now with Blake's, um, you know, Sacolay baits from different styles that he makes, whether it's his grass shrimp or his straight tail minnows. Um, I love his jig heads. I just love using good equipment. And when I like good equipment, I like to partner with good people that make good equipment. And when you're talking good people, good equipment, I'm talking about Cajun Tackle House and Benoit Performance Baits. So if you guys have not got an opportunity yet that listen to the show to check those two companies out, I highly recommend them. Um, go click on their social media pages. You guys might be on our social media page. You know, search Cajun Tackle House. Take a look at what they have to offer on their Facebook page. Hop on over to Benoit Performance Baits. Take a look at what Blake has to offer from Benoit Performance Baits. Hell, you could even do some shopping right there on his social media page. So go check those guys out because, I'm, I, you know, when I tell you guys that we use their product and we have a lot of success on those, you know, particular products, um, we're telling you the truth. You know, if you watch our videos, oftentimes you'll see us, you know, with those baits in our hands and it's going to be from, you know, those two companies quite often because they just make good product that works here in Louisiana. Um, you know, and it's not only Louisiana. They'll work pretty much everywhere where there's a body of water. So go check them out. Great guys, great companies, and great products. You can't go wrong. Um, but, you know, we do get asked the question. You know, I had a couple of people actually uh, message me through social media, you know, because they hear us talk about it. And, and the day and age that we're in, you know, you have sponsorships. Everybody talks about sponsorships in the fishing industry. And, you know, that could really just be blown out of proportion, in my opinion. I have a lot of experience with that situation. You know, as I was tournament fishing, I was coming up, uh, getting more into tournament fishing. I was looking to, you know, expand my tackle, which is, you know, part of what we're talking about this week on the show is tackle. Um, you know, when I was looking at, you know, using different products, I was looking to partner with certain companies in order to be able to form, you know, relationships with those companies because ultimately I like the product, you know, and I wanted to, I thought that I could, you know, help them out from a sales standpoint here in my local area and when I was traveling for tournaments to fish tournaments. Um, you know, being a salesman, I've been in sales my whole life since I've, you know, graduated from college um, at LSU and I, I've always been in sales. I feel that it's a natural fit for me as an outdoorsman you know, to use the product that I like, partner with these companies, and I can help, you know, promote and sell some of the product. And that's really what I was focused on when I was tournament fishing. And what, what you know, got me to a point where I decided at one point, I said, hey, I said, I want to start my own tackle company, you know, and I want to start making, you know, tackle and being able to sell tackle that we use here in Louisiana. Um, because, you know, oftentimes we would walk into a tackle store and there wasn't product in there or enough product, in my opinion, and many of you probably feel the same way, that was local to our specific areas. You know, if we fished at Chafalaya Basin, uh, you couldn't go into Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops and buy a rubber, you know, skirted spinnerbait, or you couldn't buy specific colors, you know, whether it was, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite color jigs is down here in South Louisiana is a black, blue, and orange strand jig. You could not walk into a big box store and purchase that color jig. So at one point, I had the idea. I said, okay, I'm going to start up my own tackle company. I'm going to uh, you know, start producing colors. I'm going to start producing baits that I want to use for myself to fish tournaments. And just when I fish for fun, I want my friends to be able to use them. And then, um, you know, maybe I'll be able to make a little bit of extra money on the side and start doing that. So my question to you guys, without going too much into that story right now, is, you know, where do you guys buy most of your tackle? You know, the, the, there's so much, 
you know, available to us now as fishermen. It's different than that time when I mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, I started out with those renegade worms and uh, those fire and ice culprit worms back then. You know, I remember as a kid when we walked into a tackle store, you went to Walmart pretty much for your tackle. You know, down here in the south, at least, that's where we went. Uh, we weren't growing up on big lakes like Toledo Bend. We weren't growing up on big places like Lake Fork, Sam Rayburn, uh, you know, you uh, follow those type of places. So we didn't have marinas, you know, like you have on those big lakes where they had local tackle shops. But, you know, nowadays, even in, in, in the smaller towns, if you're around any kind of body of water, a lot of times there are local tackle stores um, that help support the area and have, you know, um, to help support the local fishermen. And, and if there's any kind of tournaments held out of those areas, they, you know, you're able to walk into those local tackle stores and buy the, that, the tackle that you may need for that specific area that's hot at the time. But, you know, it always fascinates me is where people, you know, now with the options we have, where do you buy your tackle? You know, that's a question I have, like I, I've asked you guys. Um, do you purchase your tackle from a local tackle store, you know, in your town? Do you buy your stuff online? Because online, as many of you guys know now, has taken over pretty much everything we do especially during times like we are now where we have this big pandemic we've been going through with COVID-19 over the last year. Um, so that's really forced a lot of guys to probably go online, uh, especially your older generation guys. I find a lot of your older generation guys, no offense you know, to anybody out there if you're an older gentleman than I am, uh, but your older generation guys you know, they're, they're not big on technology a lot of times. Let's just be honest and you know, without being offensive, let's be honest. Uh, you know, so those guys were the guys that like to typically walk into your local tackle stores, walk into your Walmart or walk into your big box stores, which is another option out there. You know, a lot of us, you may shop with a local tackle store. You may shop online or you may walk into your big box stores if you're around the bigger cities. You know, um, you know, here in Gonzales, Louisiana, where we live, like I've mentioned before, we're very blessed the way I look at it because we have a combination of your local tackle stores. Um, we have a place right here in Gonzales, Louisiana. That's a phenomenal privately owned business called Ascension Living and Outdoors. Um, you know, and that's they're one of the best tackle stores that I've ever been in right here in my hometown of Gonzales, Louisiana. So, you know, there was a need for that. The owners of that particular store saw that there was a need for that, even with the big box stores being in our area because we have a Cabela's right here in Gonzales, Louisiana. Um, we have a Bass Pro Shops right, you know, 20 minutes away in Denham Springs, Louisiana. And we got two or three academies that I'm that I could recall right now um, that are in those two areas. So Baton Rouge has, you know, one or two academies. Denham Springs has an academy. So my point is we're not shy by any means on, you know, stores that are able to we can walk into as outdoorsmen and purchase fishing tackle but what i find funny and what sparks my interest and in why i ask you guys what did you prefer is because we tend to be very loyal to where we buy from um and what i mean by that is you know for instance me me you know being you know very loyal is if right now i want tackle i will typically look in two places um, I will, first of all, I look at my local, you know, my local independent tackle, you know, companies such as, you know, hell, we have a million of them now in Louisiana, but like Cajun Tackle House, Chris over at Cajun Tackle House, um, you know, Zach Dubois over at Cajun Lures. Many of you guys know Zach. I know Zach from when he was fishing college over at UL. You know, look at what he's done with that company, how he started Cajun Lures and he's just expanded. Uh, you know, Blake Benoit, I mentioned it, at Benoit Performance Baits, started, you know, creating his own plastics and got into the custom colors and all that type of stuff. And he's grown his business, you know. Um, so we have a lot of entrepreneurs here in our state um, that are able to produce, you know, baits that are hard to find, like I mentioned. And that's where I find myself going to first to look for tackle a lot of times. But the downside to that could sometimes be, well, you know, if they're not around you or they're not in your town, you you can't get it quick sometimes. You know, you have to get online, you have to order, or you may have to go try to track down or locate a store where they have their product at. To where if I could walk into Cabela's or I could walk into Bass Pro Shops or Academy, 
that's in my towns that I know is constantly getting replenished and restocked, restocked, then I could go into there, grab what I need, hopefully, you know, and I, and I highlight hopefully, because like I mentioned, the big box stores don't always have the product that we need, you know, or that we want for that specific trip that we want to take or application that we want to fish. But the good thing is the vast majority of the common stuff that we're going to use, whether it's your soft plastics, your hooks, your weights, that type of stuff, your fishing line, we can walk into those big box stores and we can make those purchases quickly, get it and be back home with it in our boat, restringing, you know, tying on those lures, doing whatever we need to do. So I find myself typically going between those two when I buy most of my tackle. Now, the flip side of that, like I mentioned, is online. You know, online is a huge business. Just look at Tackle Warehouse, for instance, you know, and that's just the, the big dog in the industry as far as online goes. Many of you guys probably shop at Tackle Warehouse. You know, Tackle Warehouse has been doing it for years. They probably do it better than everybody else in the industry as far as fishing goes. Uh, they probably do it better than anybody, you know, and they have 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 an excellent reputation. They've been doing it for years. Um, and a lot of you guys listening to the show this week probably shop with them. You know, you may they may be your number one go to for tackle. Um, and what another, you know, great extension and opportunity for us as outdoorsmen to have in order to be able to, you know, meet our supply needs, meet our tackle needs. You may be a tournament fisherman that's looking to, you know, get stuff. They could get it to you. It's pretty much always in stock or at least it was before the pandemic hit. Uh, I know that some things are a little harder to find right now, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a great you know asset to have and to use if you're looking to get you know tackle. Then you throw in free shipping, you know, um, and a lot of times the online companies like Tackle Warehouse they'll offer free shipping if you order you know fifty dollars or above or maybe a hundred dollars and above. Um, so that's also appealing, you know. They offer you know cyber you know sales to where you could get stuff on sale just like you would at the big box stores um you know so that's that's another perk to buying online it's shipped right to your door you don't actually have to go out you don't have to make that purchase in person um you know it's it, it's the it's the whole amazon effect i call it because everything that we buy now here at the household is pretty much amazon and then you know we try to support our, our local small businesses uh, for everything that we don't buy online, you know, from Amazon. So um, what's crazy in my situation is that as much as I buy from Amazon for home goods and stuff like that, um, I don't shop tackle online a whole lot. As a matter of fact, I could tell you guys, honestly, with 100% guarantee that I have actually never purchased anything tackle related from Tackle Warehouse. And a lot of you guys are probably saying, get the fuck out of here. You know, as much as if you know me, as much as I like to fish and as much as I fished over the years, um, I have never made a purchase on Tackle Warehouse, not not a single purchase on Tackle Warehouse. So that that's as an outdoorsman, that's pretty crazy. Not many guys could probably say that. But like I said, my my go to is my local tackle companies. And then if I if I don't want I'm not a guy who likes to wait, I'll be honest with you. So if I don't buy it from a local guy, a local, you know, lure builder, local rod builder, whoever it may be, whatever tackle I'm looking to buy, then I'm going to the big box stores, you know. And like I mentioned, we're blessed to have it in our town. We have two of the biggest retailers in the outdoor industry, uh, you know, right here with Cabela's and Bass Pro. And then you throw academies, multiple locations of academy into that. And that pretty much is going to meet your needs for what you need to find when you need to get it. So that's where I find myself going, but I'm really interested uh, to see where you guys do most of your your shopping at, uh, because it may be the complete opposite of what I do, you know, personally. And if you guys don't mind, um, when we post the podcast episode on our social media pages, drop us a comment. Let us know your thoughts on the situation. Let us know where you buy a lot of your tackle at, uh, because I'm really interested to see what, what you guys have to say this week on that topic. Um you know, that's just something that really sparks my interest, and I, and I, and I want to hear, you know, what you guys have to say about it. But, um, but you know, looking at the tackle industry and speaking of the tackle industry, just where it's at now in 2021 versus when I was coming up. You know, I told you guys at the beginning of the show about that trip that I made that really got me hooked on bass fishing. You know, uh, you know, I had a I had a pack of renegade worms, six inch curl tail worms. I had a, a pack of uh, you know, I think it was at the time 
seven and a half inch uh, culprit fire and ice worms that I started out. And as I started building up and getting more into fishing, um, you know, growing up in a small, the small town of Villeplat, Louisiana, which is a small town like many of you grew up in, um, we didn't have a whole lot of options. I mentioned that earlier also, that if you pretty much want to tackle, you had to go to Walmart. That's where most of us down south, we all some Walmart loving sons of bitches. You know that pretty much anytime you need some, you go on to Walmart. So, you know, it was no different for us growing up and, and fishing tackle. But looking at, you know, I know people always say, oh, back when I was that age, you know, it only cost, you know, you know, whatever the price was. You know, I get guys now, the, the, I call them the old timer guys, you know, uh, great fishermen. You know, a lot of these guys who are older generation guys now, they'll come in and they'll price me on an outboard motor at the store, you know. Because uh, I am in the marine industry, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm a salesman in the marine industry. So I deal with outboard motors. And they'll come in and they'll say, hey, man, I, we, we laugh about it and we joke about it at work because the old timer guys, the first thing we have a big, you know, or a loose engine display at our front doors in our dealership. And me and the other salesmen always kind of joke and laugh in, in, a, in, a, in a fun way, you know, not to make fun of anybody. But we always laugh because. The older, the older generation guys, you know, like our dads and, and, and older than them, you know, they'll come into the store and it's like a magnet. Those guys are so freaking attracted to those little tiller handle outboard motors. They walk right in the door and they go straight to those tiller handle motors. And it, guys, we laugh our asses off because it never fails. They'll go straight to that. They'll kind of look at them like, it, you know, they're making this huge decision. So, you know, maybe buy a house or something like that. And, and you know, and it may, and, and I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. It may be a situation where that is a big purchase to God because, look, let's be honest, they're not cheap. You know, you guys know that. Even a small outboard engine today is a minimum of about $1,000, you know, for the smallest ones that they make. So that's a big, that's a big investment for, uh, you know, a lot of people, even though some people don't think it's a lot of money and they'll kind of laugh that off. But, the way I was raised, I was always raised that, you know, no matter how big of a purchase, that's important to that person. And that may be a lot of money to somebody, you know, because I was not born rich. My family was not wealthy. Uh, we were poor. You know, I grew up poor. I didn't I didn't hurt for stuff. My parents provided, but I was taught the value of a dollar at an early age. So, you know, I, I never judge a book by its cover with a customer. But it's so funny to see those guys come in because I, we could see them in the parking lot, get out. They walk in the doors and they, they they take a hard turn straight to those outboard motors. And, you know, you always hear those stories. I probably hear it every time these guys come in. They'll say, hey, give me your best price on this motor, you know, and I'll give them a price. And they're like, oh, you know, that's too expensive. You know, back when I bought, you know, my motor back in 1982, I only paid 400 dollars. You know, there's always a story to it. And I hear that. You know, every time those guys come in, we hear that story. And I say, I always joke with them. I say, yeah, they're going up quite a bit, you know. But it's not just that. I mean, everything has gone up quite a bit. But, you know, specifically tackle and getting back to the tackle side of it. You know, I remember those two packs of plastics. When I had went to Walmart that I mentioned that were, were my first two packs of plastics I bought, uh, I think it was 99 cents for the Renegade pack that I bought. And, and for the culprit, which was the high end stuff, the good stuff, you know, um, they were like a dollar ninety nine a pack back then, you know, and that was in the that was in the 80s. You know, that was the late 80s, maybe early 90s, right around that time frame. Um, and you guys may if you old enough like me, you probably remember this. How many of you guys remember the, the worm bars that they had at the Walmarts? You know, if you don't know what I'm talking about there. A picture a salad bar when you walk into your favorite restaurant with a salad bar. You go up to the salad bar, you, you pick out, you know, they have lots of selections. Uh, and you pick out what you want to put on your salad and you put it on your salad and you walk away. Well, at one time, believe it or not, guys, for those of you who aren't aware of this, um, Walmart actually had a, a soft plastic bar that they were putting in a lot of their stores. At least they were down here in the south. Because I remember going on vacation and we went to Arkansas. And Arkansas had one. I remember that as a, as a kid. Um, but we had them here in Louisiana. I know Lafayette had one. Uh, I think Opelousas, that was a, that was the big town we went to. We went watch a movie or something. We'd always make a trip after the movie. We'd go to Walmart and uh, with my parents. And they had a bar there. But, yeah, you could walk up to a bar in the, in the sporting goods section of Walmart, and they had every color curl tail worm 
that you could imagine, you know, black, fire tail with purple, like I talked about earlier, fire and ice, red shad, you name it, they had it. How cool was that? And you would just get yourself a bag and you would fill up, you know, your, your bag with however many you wanted. If you had different colors, you'd have multiple bags. And I don't remember if they actually charged you according to the weight of it or if it was per per worm or per item that you had. But uh, but I remember that's how I started building up my tackle collection, uh, going to those worm bars on, on the soft plastics and uh, and buying that because it was a cheaper price than buying it in a pack at the time. But uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, I'm sure they had a lot of theft at the time. It was probably an absolute fucking nightmare to be able to keep that up and restock it and do all that type of stuff and keep it organized. And eventually they pulled them out of the stores and that's something that you don't see anymore. Uh, but yeah, how cool was that? A worm bar in Walmart in the sporting goods section. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, and uh, I remember that really well. That, that was such a cool thing looking back at it, you know, but yeah, prices were just, you know, it was so different back then a spinner bait, you know, you'd walk into a tackle store. I remember you know, growing up in Villepoix, we eventually got a, uh, a local fisherman who was a well-known fisherman in our town, Mr. Rusty uh, Coldiron was his name. And he he was well-known as one of the best bass fishermen in our town. And he uh, he decided he was going to open up a, uh, a tackle store, kind of a convenience slash tackle store, uh, right on one of the major highways that took you to, to uh, Chico State Park, which is where Chico Lake is. Many of you may have heard of Chico Lake or you may have fished Chico Lake, um, you know, right in Evangeline Parish, right outside of uh, Ville Platte, Louisiana. Not too far from where I grew up at. I actually grew up on that lake and Miller's Lake. But uh, Mr. Rusty Coldiron opened up uh, opened up a tackle store there. And my good buddy, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Troy, uh, me and Troy Fontenot, we'd go out to Rusty's and we were we were customers that would frequent his store quite often. And uh, I remember you could buy spinner baits, you know, laser eye spinner baits, um, which were I think actually made by Bass Pro Shops, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, a good laser eyes, what we thought was a good spinner bait back then, was about two bucks, you know. Uh, a card of humdinger spinner baits, you know, we humdinger. Everybody knows humdinger if you're in Louisiana. Uh, you could buy, I think it was a twelve, a twelve pack of humdinger spinner baits. You guys know how the humdingers come on a card. You could buy that card for a couple of bucks. I remember that. Uh, you know, you try doing that now, it, it's quite a quite a bit of difference. That you talk about some fucking inflation. Uh, they got some inflation that's happened over the years for sure when it comes to humdinger spinner baits. Uh, but great spinner baits. You know, I know the guy who owns it. I know Tony personally that uh, owns humdinger spinner baits. Great guy. He bought. He purchased the company years ago and uh, grown it, and they even went national. You know, you got pros fishing those his baits now. Uh, but, yeah, I remember how much the prices, it was It was affordable. It seemed like, you know, me as a kid, if I if I got a birthday come around or I had Christmas, you could go and you could buy some tackle, um, you know, reels and rods. You know, I remember I remember my dad went to Mr. Rusty Cold Arms tackle store and bought my first graphite bass rod I ever had. It was a six-foot pistol grip. I don't even know the brand name of it. Uh, with a 5,500 Abu Garcia, the old round silver reel, 5,500 Garcia. And that thing was like a Cadillac compared to what I had before that. And I don't know if it was a birthday gift he gave it to me for my parents or if it was Christmas, but I used that rod and reel till I literally stripped the gears out of it. Uh, I caught so many fish on that thing. That was my first nice uh, bass fishing rod and reel. And I think he told me he paid, you know, right around 60 bucks or something, 70 bucks for it, for the whole combo. So compare that now to what what's out there now, you know, but that was good equipment back then. We didn't have all the stuff tackle wise that and equipment wise that we got nowadays. You know, um, if you wanted something good back then, you had to buy the very top of the line because it, there was no in between. You either had shitty equipment or you had good equipment that you had to pay high dollar for. You know, your shitty equipment, you went to Walmart and you bought something, you know, it was a Zepco or, or whatever it was, and you fished with that. That was, you know, you know, consider Shakespeare. Shakespeare is a good example. I remember I had a Shakespeare uh, bait caster. Absolutely fucking horrible. Couldn't cast it for nothing. Uh, you know, you backlash every time you cast it. Didn't matter what setting you put it on. Um, and, and it was just, it was an absolute piece of shit, but you know, I was proud to have it because it added to my collection 
And uh, and you know, I thought I was I thought I was I was somebody back then for having my Shakespeare baitcaster. But um, uh, but you know, you you fast forward to now, um, you know, and, and the technology that we have in the tackle industry is just insane. You guys know it, you know. You out there, you buying it, you purchasing it online, you purchasing it from the custom guys who own tackle stores here or own their tackle companies here in the state, um, or you buying it from the big box stores. I mean, hell, look look now. You walk into the ta- to the stores and you buy a pack of Cinco's, guys. We're paying, what, $7 for a pack of Cinco's? Good God almighty for plastics that are going to get torn up, you know, a couple of casts and they torn up. Now, you know, I'm not knocking, you know, any any brand. You know, they're doing they're making the best product they can to, to sell to us as the fishermen. But, you know, $7 for a pack of plastics? I mean, come on. How, how much do we actually think it costs for them to make a pack of plastics, you know? And I'm a firm believer when it comes to tackle over the, you know, you know, lures of design, the old saying, lures of design to catch fishermen, not fish sometimes. I can tell you some of the biggest flops, you know, looking back, that is so true of a statement. You know, growing up, kind of going back to the, that those 80s and 90s, you know, how many guys, how many of you remember the, those infomercials? I'm from the infomercial generation, and that applied to us on the fishing side. You know, we'd grow up, we'd watch the, all of our, our childhood idols uh, on TNN Outdoors on Sundays. You had your, your Bill Dance, you had Roland Martin, uh, you had Jimmy Houston, you had um, Orlando Wilson. You guys remember Orlando Wilson? He had his Atlanta Braves hat that he'd always, baseball cap. Uh, you know, all those guys were my childhood heroes growing up fishing, you know. And uh, and I remember those infomercials so well that those guys either, um, you know, were spokespeople for um, or they would air those infomercials uh, during the fishing shows or late at night. You guys remember the ones that would come on late at night? Um, what were some of those, those infomercials? Flying Lord, the Flying Lord. Oh, man, you look at these infomercials and you thought those things were – they got to catch fish, you know, and uh, and man, how many of us were ordering? You calling that 1-800 number and you trying to order uh, th- that set of flying lures that they were. You saw all those guys catching fish on on TV. Uh, what's some of the, the, the biggest one that I ever, you know, freaking bought into as a kid? How many of you remember the helicopter lure? Roland Martin, you and, and I'm laughing. This is joking. But Roland Martin, you son of a bitch, you lied to me. That helicopter lord never caught jack shit for me as a kid. And now I'm old enough to cuss and I can say it out loud. So without getting my, my butt whooped for by my daddy for cussing. But yeah, how many of us remember that helicopter lord that was an absolute waste of money? Or the mighty bite. The mighty bite was another one. So I come from that generation, guys. It, it, it's it's a completely different generation. We were, you know, in the infomercial generation, but you know, tackle has come so far. That's my, my thing, you know, uh, compared to what it is nowadays. You know, some of the biggest advancements, obviously, in the equipment that we use is the, the equipment from sonar, GPSs, all that type of stuff. One of the biggest, you know, tackle improvements that I've seen over the years is, you know, going from mono to braid to fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon has changed the game completely. If you're a pitcher, uh, you know, uh, somebody who loves pitching, flipping, uh, fishing plastics, bottom contact baits, fluorocarbon. If you're not using fluorocarbon, you are completely missing out right now because that has changed the game. You go from, you know, fishing, flipping. So anyway, guys, I hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode as much as I have kind of gone down memory lane, uh, sharing the stories that we shared with you guys this week. Um, I'm sure a lot of you could relate to a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Um, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to me personally as the host and creator of this podcast that basically just started out as a small freelance type deal. And uh, to see it grow into what it's doing now and, you know, all the people that we're meeting, uh, you know, whether it's on the hunting side of it, you tune in because you enjoy the hunting side and all the stuff that we bring to you during hunting season. Uh, we're also now getting a lot of people turned on that don't even necessarily hunt. They just love fishing. So now since we're doing some fishing shows and we're talking fishing, uh, we're meeting a lot of new people. We're getting a lot of comments on our social media pages, a lot of personal messages coming through that are enjoying the show. 
And I, I can't thank you enough for, for, you know, for the feedback that you guys give us, whether it's good or bad, uh, very little bad that we get, you know, but you do have, you do have it from time to time, but uh, you take it for what it is and you just keep doing what you love to do. And that's what we're doing here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Um, so if you haven't heard about us or you stumbled upon us for the first time, we just want to tell you, thank you. We invite you to visit us on our YouTube channel at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. You can also find us on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and we even have a TikTok page. We haven't been posting a ton on TikTok lately. That's kind of Jackson's side of the business that he's doing for us. But uh, I need to guess. I guess I need to get on him and kind of get him posting up on TikTok again. Uh, so, but anyway, guys, we're pretty easy to find on social media. Anybody wants to contact us, feel free to leave us a message. Contact us anytime. But until next time, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors signing off for this week. But we'll do it again next week, and we'll talk to you guys about the outdoors again. So y'all take care. Get in the outdoors. Have some fun. Let's go catch some fish. Let's go kill some turkeys right now. It's turkey season's open, and we'll talk about it next time on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all have a good week, guys.